so much for tuning in to this segment of the Remnant Radio Show, and I'm actually excited. We really believe that God is the one that orchestrates and produces this program. If I haven't said that enough, I want to make sure I say that. And right before we were about to get on air tonight, uh, I got a call on WhatsApp from a gentleman by the name of Ted, and he is, I believe, Ted, you're a missionary, right? That's right, in Cambodia. A missionary in Cambodia. And I, I personally have such a heart for those in the mission fields. Uh, been around the world, different places myself over the years. And just, you know, most Americans that have not left the continental United States don't really understand to a full degree of what that actually means to be a missionary out there. You're in Cambodia. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your ministry before we get started about what we're going to talk about tonight? Well, Sue and I came here to my wife uh, in uh, 1998, so we were here on our 22nd year, and uh, we began a ministry called uh, Four Square Children of Promise, which is both a church group and it's also uh, 106 now church orphan homes uh, where we've raised over 20,000 orphan children Mm. in that period of time about 3,000 in inventory now, and about 5,000 church groups around the country, according to uh, uh, Operation World 2010 edition, we're the largest church in Cambodia. Wow. Wow. And what is God doing currently out in Cambodia right now? We know it's a nation that historically was ravaged through wars and different things. What's going on out there now? Well, the churches are still growing. Uh, we're under kind of nationwide, nationwide lockdown. Uh, they've just, uh, I think as of Saturday, lifted the uh, travel ban between provinces, but schools are still closed. Um, uh, there's a lot of fear. And it's a crazy thing because uh, in Cambodia, uh, though we've had thousands of people from Wuhan province traveling back and forth right up and even through uh, the beginning of this COVID-19 thing. Um, no one in Cambodia has died of it. Wow. Uh, been the 120 cases that are confirmed, I think only 17 are left that are not healed. And the only one person who is critical is an 85-year-old Frenchman who came in with it Mm. and had a couple of complicating diseases on top of it. So um, we we really are kind of bulletproof here. I've been told by the the Chinese doctors that came over here to assist, they sent six doctors, uh, that the heat here has actually yeah. shrunk the virus and it's not very virulent mm. and so i think most people uh, have had it i'm quite sure i did yeah um i've i've learned the worst thing you can do is get the test from china because you've got about an 80 percent false positive reading with it wow so if you get tested and you come up positive, they're going to lock you in a Cambodian hospital, and that's not a good idea. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, 
So what you said, now, Ted, was, you said you uh, got it. You you had, you, you feel like you had it, huh? Oh, yeah, I had all the symptoms. I, I never have, I mean, I'm 73 years old. I don't remember ever having a chest cold. Right. I always get head colds, and um, my lungs started congesting. I'm coughing up this yellow glop, and I had a fever and all the symptoms, so I'm quite sure. And I just flown in from uh, China on a flight. This wow. was in uh, late January, and so um, I'd heard about this hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, and uh, I I got some. Actually, we don't have the hydroxy form. We have plain old chloroquine. They sure. use it here for uh, malaria treatment. That's right. And uh, I took I took a couple of those 250 milligram pills and um, I'd heard a guy talk about using it with an antibiotic and zinc, I think it was. Right. And so I took, um, I think I took about 80 milligrams of zinc and uh, azithromycin pill. Wow. And uh, I was, by the next morning, I was feeling pretty normal. That is amazing. How did you find out initially about the treatment with the hydroxychloroquine or the chloroquine and then to mix that with azithromycin and zinc? Where did you initially hear about that? First heard about it from a French doctor. I believe he was a French virologist. It was early in February. I didn't come down with this for, I think I'd say it was close to the middle of February when I had it. And, um, he had been doing some work in France. He was the first one I heard of that right. was using it. Right. Yeah, and I had, you know, I've been, as you know, I'm a researcher, I'm an avid researcher. Um, you know, many people don't know this, but I, I help other people write books. Uh, I have, you know, articles that I write on a consistent basis. And plus, I'm just a truth seeker like you and many others. And I had been studying these medical journals that were coming out of France, and I saw the same information that you did. So I think we started tracking online, and uh, I, I wrote a story, which I, I entitled, you know, one of the biggest stories that I've ever written, because I got a call from a very high-level person, uh, can't really say who it is, but very, very high-level person here in the United States, and they said, Todd, you know, we feel like we have a cure and, uh, you know, it looks really positive and they gave me some information and they say, you know, we'd like you to systematically kind of start leaking this out before there's a big announcement. So it put a huge weight on me because I'm thinking, first of all, why would they care to really let me know this with my small news organization? Secondly, you know, what, what does this mean? You know, like I'm going to start leaking this out. What is this? What's going to happen? But, you know, the, the most exciting part of it really for me was was is that the, the fact that they said they feel they have a cure. And so to me, in, in the way that I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's going to be this huge announcement and, you know, everybody's going to be so excited and that's pretty much going to be the end, right? I mean, the, the, you know, we found the cure. Here it is, right? And, you know, I had already heard, like I said, the medical journals out of France, uh, some people out of China. There was some doctors in Italy talking about it. Then I found a, a gentleman in, in New Jersey in a Hasidic Jew uh, community, and he was uh, really, really positive about what had happened there. And so, you know, did a lot of research, actually called that doctor, spoke with him, uh, got some really great information from him. And, and you know, so I've been investigating this. I've been on this and you've been on this and you actually went through this. So you, so it's really interesting to me. So out in Cambodia, it, it was pretty easy to get a hold of the chloroquine and to get a hold of the azithromycin. It was pretty readily available. 
Yeah, it used to be. Actually, they've gone to different protocols of treatment for malaria because there's three different strains here. Right. Uh, they all are chloroquine-based, but the straight chloroquine, we did manage to find a thousand-pill bottle of it, mm. and it was available here. Um, they aren't publicly announcing this. The Ministry of Health doesn't recognize it yet it's kind of like in the states and yep. it's a total mystery to me yeah why uh everyone is keeping this quiet in fact i don't know if you've run into this but when i mention it to people they actually get angry at yes. me and tell me i'm no doctor i shouldn't be recommending medicines and i need to shut up i'm yes. giving people false hope honestly yes. i'm a little frustrated by it but yeah. i don't understand it well, yeah, th those are great questions, and I have been dealing with the same thing. Uh, a lot of pushback, in fact, to the to the point where I almost felt, in some cases, and I don't say these things publicly, but you know, almost felt threatened in some aspects. And I'm thinking, what is the deal with this? And so, when you asked me that question, I said, "We need to talk because you're out in Cambodia, you're dealing with this." And I, I have uh, some speculations, I have some theories, but what I've really come to the conclusion is. Is, is that there's there's the powers that be, what I call the shadow government, the deep state within the big pharmaceutical industry, they don't want us to know that there's a very cost-effective uh, medication that's been on the market for 40-plus years, FDA-approved, uh, that's already been treating malaria that we have ample supply of. They don't want us knowing that because that messes up the agenda of the uh, of the upcoming vaccine. And there, there's some reason why they want to push this vaccine. And I really believe President Trump has been strategic in leaking this out because he knows the agenda. And uh, he's really in the middle of this war and battle with this deep state, which is one of the uh, aspects of the greater deep state. So obviously we know there's the intel community deep state. And then there's, you know, Big Pharma is kind of a part of that. It's a wing of that. And it's been going on for many years where, you know, they've been working in tandem with the World Health Organization, with China. Uh, there's a lot of connection there. And so a lot of uh, rabbit trails to kind of go down, rabbit holes, if you will. Um, but 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 that's what I've been finding. And so let me tell you a story on that I found, Ted. So we have some friends. Actually, this has happened now multiple times. But for the first case, there were some friends in Michigan. And they had gotten uh, the COVID-19 or coronavirus and they had become, you know, mild to severe symptoms. They were starting to really get sick and one of them had to be put on a respirator and they were going into the advanced stages, which they call ARDS, which is the, uh, the, the, the really bad condition in the lungs. Um, I think it's acute respiratory distress syndrome. And a doctor should describe that to me. It's almost like cement in the lungs. It's just an awful, awful. And that's where, where yeah. the need for, for the respirators are. So, you know, what the doctors that I've spoke to off the record that have told me about the hydroxychloroquine treatment is, is really the hydroxychloroquine is like a vehicle. And that vehicle allows the zinc to get into the cells. And with the zinc getting into the cells, it eliminates the disease. It kills the virus. And so it's a combination of the hydroxychloroquine with the zinc treatment. And the azithromycin is really more uh, in case of a secondary, uh, like a bacterial infection that would occur, which is very, um, you know, plausible. That is, you know, it, it happens to occur in many cases. So it's, it's kind of like a cocktail uh, that works and the effectiveness rate is like 97%. I mean, it's a really high effectiveness rate. And if you look at most vaccines, you know, that's about the same. I mean, it's, you know, you're never going to get 100%. Uh, and it's a really good high level 
uh, of cure. And so we had this couple in Michigan, and they were getting into these advanced stages, very, very, very ill, very, very sick, and the family was not allowed to visit. And the doctors were basically just giving them, you know, uh, basic treatment uh, according to what the uh, CDC was recommending at the time. And when we said, you need to fight to get hydroxychloroquine. You need to fight to get this. And the doctor was saying, no, we don't, we don't want to give them the hydroxychloroquine. And they were making all kinds of excuses. And so the family literally had to, you know, take it to a very high level of pressure where they had to speak to the administrator at the doctor, you know, at the hospital and to speak to uh, the head doctors and really, really push for this treatment. When they did push for it, it was administered. And within three days, the patients had, had, had gotten so much better. And within a week, uh, they had been released. So now they're home. And I mean, they're pretty much back to normal. I mean, other than if just, it would have been like if they had a really bad flu and, you know, now they're kind of recovered and, and they can't stop thanking me, Ted. And, you know, and I keep saying, well, all glory to God, it's not me. But they said we would have never known about this, you know, and this this is what I'm hearing in many of these cases. And so it's just mind boggling to me. And as I've been following the president and his pressers here in the United States, you know, he talked about a deal with Tiva in Israel where they, I think, gave 20 million doses to the United States. And then there was another deal that was worked out with India and uh, they sent over some doses so that we would have extra supply here in the states uh, because there was a big complaint from some of the Democrat governors where they were saying they weren't going to have enough for current treatments that use uh, the same medication and they were concerned. But it really has just been mind-blogging. So I've been trying to figure out myself why they don't want this to get out there. And, you know, after that first incident, I've heard probably at least 10 to 15 other incidents of a similar manner where, again, uh, every person has recovered. Um, they, they, you know, there's people that have been on Fox, on Laura Ingram's show, on Sean Hannity's show, on Tucker Carlson's show, um, you know, have been on Rudy Giuliani's radio show, have been on um, just, you know, Glenn Beck. I mean, I can go on and on. But there is a battle, and the battle that's going on right now is between the deeply entrenched, what I call deep state people in the pharmaceutical industry, like the Fosses of the world, I hate to say it, um, that have been deeply entrenched for many, many years, have basically become frontmen for big pharma, and they don't want this treatment to get out there. They don't want people to know that this is basically a cure because if that gets out there, it ends the entire pandemic situation. It, it gets rid of the need for the vaccine. And I think there's a much more nefarious agenda, as you know, I post about. Um, but, you know, that being said, uh, you know, what are you feeling in your spirit, Ted? Well, I see a lot of the same thing. Fortunately, uh, we have, uh, because we have so many orphan children uh, and, of course, the uh, staff that go with that, uh, we employ widows, so we've got like 700 widows, and they're all elderly. Yeah. Um, but we have a small hospital, and we have a full-time doctor and a couple of nurses, and uh, we're able to get. We don't have to have prescriptions to get medication mm. here anyway. But he was able to locate the uh, chloroquine. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that um, about two weeks ago, we heard reports, and I, I think that. I've had them verified, but I didn't personally see this, but the Gates Foundation That's right. was here in Cambodia injecting people with a chip, mm. and they said it was a, a medical chip. Now, um, I thought maybe they're trying to do some experimental vaccine work, and they said, no, it wasn't a vaccination, it was a chip. I, uh, I can't 
you know, I don't have absolute proof of that, but uh, I had several people tell me that that was the case. So I can believe that what may be going on is they want to sell this expensive vaccine. And the interesting thing to me is that um, I, I think I heard this from a guy the Dr. Oz. Yeah. Uh, I saw it on the internet that he did a study. He got data from Medicare, Medicaid, and had several hundred thousand cases that he'd reviewed of people with lupus. Yes. Because lupus patients take uh, chloroquine. And uh, when he studied it, uh, he couldn't find one of them that got COVID-19. That's right. And so he started investigating further, and he finally did find one person who had uh, died of it. And when they investigated, they discovered that she had uh, stopped taking her chloroquine. Wow. So it may have a, a prophylactic effect. And, then, and if that's the case, I mean, if they could send everybody to work and they just take a chloroquine pill every morning, yeah. Uh, it won't hurt them. That's right. And uh, it would allow everybody to go back to work, not worry about catching the virus. But you, you know, with 300 million people, that would take a big supply of pills. And I was wondering if possibly maybe the supply isn't great enough. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a, a legitimate question to ask, and definitely uh, probably plausible. Like you said, you know, it, what could happen is it, I think some people, to my understanding and what I've researched is I feel a lot of people have already cycled this like yourself. Um, I think some people, you know, because of the fact that 98% of the people that, that get the virus, it's pretty mild to, uh, you know, asymptomatic. So there's a really good chance that uh, a lot of people here in the United States have already cycled it. Uh, if you look at what's happened in Sweden, uh, kind of an interesting situation where they didn't really implement the same type of draconian lockdown scenario, and they're having basically the same type of death rate. So, uh, you know, what I'm thinking, what doctors are saying that could be happening there is is that people naturally are developing an immunity, and the majority of people with healthy immune systems, just like the three trillion other viruses that are out there, are able to fight it off with the body's immune system. So that could be very possible. And if that's the case, then what I would say is, you know, if somebody gets it and they test positive, then give them the treatment, just like you would do with amoxicillin or, you know, azithromycin or any other type of ailment. And, and that way it wouldn't be where everybody would need to take it. Um, you know, and I think that would be a pretty decent, uh, you know, way to treat it. But I, I think, you know, a lot of it is, is media hype. A lot of this is uh, fear tactics, uh, definitely for an agenda. And this is my opinion. Uh, but, you know, we're definitely in an election year here in the United States. Uh, there's a lot of people that would like to see the economy suffer. They'd like to see, uh, you know, things blamed on Donald Trump and, you know, all different types of scenarios that they're pushing right now. Um, I really feel, like you said, the Gates Foundation, you know, it's interesting. I've heard sound bites and read documents right from their websites that have talked about scenarios that almost to a T explain what's currently going on in our world right now. So there's a lot to take into consideration. And, and to be honest, most people just don't have the time to research all of this. It's too much information. They're just trying to get their small business back open or try to get the kids taken care of or dealing with, you know, everyday bills. And they don't have time to research all these things. So they're putting their trust in the government 
And this is where, you know, people like Gates who have been deeply entrenched. I mean, who is this guy? We're talking about a, a tech guy, you know, the, the, the Microsoft guy who all of a sudden is deeply involved in, uh, you know, vaccines. And so I'll, I'll go down a rabbit hole real quick here uh, and then I'll let you go, Tay, because I know you're a busy man. But, uh, you know, we, we studied and found that they actually have these things uh, called nanotechnology that they've been developing. And it basically usurps the need for a chip, for a microchip, because, you know, obviously most of the world's population, especially Christians, are going to be weary uh, of taking a chip or leery of taking a chip. They're not going to want, you know, put an implant. Some people are fine with it, but, you know, I would never do it. You would never do it. So, you know, what, what they've said is, is that they can actually put, um, you know, miniature, so micro, these nanobots through a vaccine that could then, uh, you know, biometrically scan and track and trace, and it would basically, in in a, in a nutshell, make us almost like the Internet of Things, where we have connectability to the five G network. So it's a tracking system, and it's a way that a human being could be biometrically connected to nanobots, and and it sounds like you know Star Trek. It sounds like science fiction. But this, this technology has actually been being developed uh, for quite some time, and some of it was transferred to China. And it's amazing that uh, under the former administration here in the United States, under the Obama administration, they actually allowed uh, U.S. sensitive technology to be you know, transferred and, 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 and you know, continued to be worked on in China. So when you put these dots together, and then, of course, what we understand the Word of God says about the end days and how things are going to be, it really kind of all starts coming together. And a lot of people would say, well, that sounds like a real big conspiracy theory. And, and, and you know, it is far-fetched. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, when you think about what you said with the chipping and, and things that are happening in certain nations, it really doesn't seem so far-fetched because we're really not that far away. I mean, nanotechnology is real. And we know that it's uh, so small at this point that it can be, you know, put into a vaccine. So, you know, these are things that we at least need to be talking about as believers and thinking about and at least understanding that these are real possibilities, if not now, in the not so distant future. And I think that we, we should be observant. Many people tell me, well, you know what, in the end of the day, God wins, so we don't need to worry about all these things. But I think, you know, according to the word of God, he wants us to be watchmen on the wall. He wants us to be aware and sober-minded and understand and ask for wisdom and discernment in this hour so that we can be most effective as the church to equip the saints of God and to be understanding of how to be interceding and praying and moving. And so, uh, Ted, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the last words here before we end the broadcast today, but with that, I know I just said a lot, but what, what do you have on your heart from that? Well, one thing you need to understand is in a, a third world nation like Cambodia, uh, we have very little industry here, uh, clothing, garment manufacturing, uh, and we don't even weave our own cloth that's imported. Uh, basically agrarian, uh, rice-based, uh, and everything, you know, anything technological, or mechanical or even processed foods uh, have to be imported. So when the United States, the largest warehouse in the world, uh, shuts down, um, you're affected. Right. But Cambodia, it's strangled. Hmm. And uh, there are just many things that are unavailable here now. So that's that's something they need to consider in America is that it's not just the U.S. economy that's suffering. The whole world yes. uh, is suffering. 
Um, the other thing uh, you mentioned on the chloroquine is the cost. I don't think I spent $5 That's right. uh, for my entire treatment. So, And I paid a lot for it because it was a little bit difficult to locate. So I, And that would also in- encourage people, if they have COVID-19 symptoms, go see a doctor, find a local Indian doctor basically prescribe anything and go down and get him to prescribe you and tell him what you want him to do. And I'll, I'll guarantee somewhere that will give you a prescription for it and go down to the pharmacy and buy it. Um, I don't, I would not go as far as getting to the point where you need to go on a, a respirator. I think that's a big mistake. Uh, those things, uh, I've seen some studies that say they're basically death machines. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Ted. You, you've you been just inspiring. I really believe God connected us to speak tonight, and I want to continue to stay in touch with you. How can we be praying for you and your ministry, sir? Well, we need provision. You know, our donations are down by 50%. We had to put our staff on half salaries this month. Uh, we rely heavily on uh, fortified nutrition rice meals uh, come from a group called feed my starving children and they're based in minnesota and they're shut down now until uh the first of july and we've only got about a month's supply of food left so we're gonna have to work our way through that we do have a thousand acre rice farm and we're beginning planting now we're in the middle of a drought a lot of complicating issues so Mm. pray for provision Yes, sir. We will. Is there any type of website or anywhere where we can go to make donations or things like that? Please, uh, www.fcopi.org. That's fcopi.org. Awesome. That's four square square children of promise international, F-C-O-P-I. Say it one more time, Ted. What is it? Uh, Four Square Children of Promise International, so F-C-O-P-I dot org. Awesome. Well, we will absolutely make sure that that gets out there. And I just want to thank you for the service to the Lord that you're doing down there. We're going to keep you in our prayers. And uh, just thank you for sharing. And by the way, I'm a Foursquare guy. Many, many years I know uh, hundreds of Foursquare pastors, and uh, we stand with you, my friend, okay? God bless you, Todd. God bless Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank good you, good sir. Night. Or good morning. Good night. <laughs> good morning here at night. We're flipped. Okay, bye-bye. Yes, sir. God bless you, and we will talk soon. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, that was a very, very interesting and uh, timely interview where you can see what the Lord is doing down there in Cambodia with Pastor Ted. And uh, we're going to go to a break right now. But thank you so much for tuning in this segment of uh, the Remnant Godcast. And we will be back after this commercial break. Look out from the other side. 